Good afternoon and welcome to the Key Hire uh, Small Business Show. My name is Corey Harlock. I'm the creator of Key Hire. And welcome, whether you're watching us on the live stream, watching us on YouTube, or listening to us on your podcast um, service provider, we are happy to have you with us. A couple um, pieces of housekeeping before we get started here today. We have a new background. Uh, for those of you who have been watching us for a while and following us on this journey, this is what I used to look at uh, when I was talking to you. New Year, um, got rid of the, well, we're trying to get rid of the standing desk back here. So if you want to buy a standing desk and uplift standing desk, let me know. Uh, but um, so there, yeah, we got a new background. Uh, second thing, uh, if you have any questions along the way, if you're watching this now in the future, if you like what you hear, like it, share it, subscribe to it, whatever you want, because we post two of these a month. We're, we're committed to doing that. We're committed to helping small business owners. And more importantly, leave a comment. If you have a topic, something going on in your business that you would like us to address or bring on an expert, you've seen some of the experts we brought on and they're pretty high quality, high value. We're very fortunate that these people want to come on and, and share their knowledge with us. Let us know. So if there's a topic you have, or a question you have, drop it in the chat box. Whether we answer it today, we'll get back to you. We'll answer that question because making sure business owners are getting the information they need is, is our top priority. So moving on along, our topic today is uh, respect in the hiring process. Um, and before we get into it, I kind of want to um, paint the picture and make sure we're all on the same page in terms of what we're talking about and what, what the process is and who we're talking to. So the first thing I want to talk about is when we're hiring, the biggest differentiator we need to make is are we hiring for potential or are we hiring for experience? Now, when we work with business owners to bring in leaders, high impact leaders, we are always hiring for experience. And so what are the difference of the, what, what are the differences between hiring for potential and experience? Potential is new, cheaper, longer ROI, more training, takes a longer a time for you to get the results, the high impact results out of that person. Now, there are some people out there saying, well, I hired someone who was pretty green and they turned out to be a great employee. And my, my question back is always is, but how many green people did you hire that didn't work out? But we always want to hang our hat on that one, right? So if you hired 10 and one of them was worked out, that's great. Congratulations. I'm happy for you because it's a hard thing to do. But having an, a 10% hiring success rate is not great for you, for your business, for your bank account, any of that. So in this instance, we're talking about hiring an experienced leader for your business. Experienced leader is going to cost more, but short-term ROI. They will pay for themselves a lot quicker. You know, I always say to my clients, they're going to come in and say, yeah, just get out of my way. I know what to do. If I have any questions, I'll come and ask you. And that's the kind of leader... Uh, a business owner who's in a high growth, rapid growth, or, or just hectic, chaotic business needs to clear that space for them so they can go focus on other things and understand what's going on. Now, we're also usually these um, people have more experience in their area of expertise than we do. So let's move on to the next step, right? 
I, I often hear a business owner say they're going to have a lot of opportunity here. And I think it's important we differentiate between opportunity and impact. Uh, opportunity is often thought of as ability to climb the ladder, get promoted. And in small businesses, those opportunities are few and far between. They're, I mean, if you're the business owner, you're not going to be the owner. You're not going to run that business. So we have to understand and differentiate your ability to have impact, to use your experience that you've accumulated over all these years to come to this smaller business, right? A big business experience to a smaller business, your ability to influence and impact that business, be heard, have a seat at the table, make meaningful change is greatly increased. Your opportunity is diminished. It's, there's not as much opportunity in the small company. So we're hiring. So in this situation, we're talking about hiring a highly experienced person from a large company to come into our business and have an impact. And to be honest with you, the people that are with larger companies, that is kind of the reason they want to make a move. You know, I've been in this big company. It's a, it's, it's a siloed organization. I have ideas. They don't want to hear them. I've voiced my opinion. They've ignored me. I have questions. They don't answer me. I know I can improve this business. They don't want to improve. And the opportunity for them to take all the knowledge and experience they've accumulated and put it into action and see the effects of what they know and can do and can implement into a business is what's driving the move a lot of times. Um, so that's the scenario. We have a, a very experienced leader, 10 plus years minimum, right? Let's say 10 years leader from a big company and we wanna bring them into our business to have impact, help us, right? To, to take over a part of the business and run it better than we as business owners can do it because they have more knowledge and experience in that area of the business than we do. The stage has been set. So how, when we're hiring them and we want, respect is gonna be a, a real general term here. So when we're taking them through the interview process and you know we talk about um, the hiring, how to build a proper hiring process and we have the ebook out there and please jump on the website and download that thing because that, that process will, will make your life easier. And so through that process, you know, we call it the four C's and one of the C's is being considerate, understanding the usage of their time. I'm not going to get into that because that's a whole other thing about, you know, how to be considerate in the hiring process. Go get that book. It's on the website. You'll see download our free ebook. But when we talk about respect, we've gone through the offer and now, or we've gone through the interview process and we are now kind of approaching that offer stage. And this is where um, respect plays a part because small business owners, rightfully so, are super proud of their business and what they built and where they're going. And um, have a ton of pride in what they're doing. 
But also we have this experienced leader from a large organization who has a mortgage, has kids maybe going to school, uh, has maybe a second home or uh, expensive hobby. And they certainly don't want to take a step backward in terms of their lifestyle or their ability to provide to come and work for a smaller company where they could have impact. Um, so when we get into the nitty gritty of that offer, it can often kind of turn a little personal. Um, people feel like might maybe a candidate might feel like I'm being nickel and dime. An owner might feel like they're trying to take advantage of me. And this is often where it breaks down and we get can get hung up on some really small, easy stuff to deal with. Like I hate to see an offer fall apart over small details like uh, uh, um, benefit plans. And they're small in the grand scheme uh, on PTO, uh, on job title. These are these are things that are super easy to mitigate but can seem like there is a disconnect in one party or both can feel there, there's an element of, there's some disrespect. They're not being respected or heard or honored by um, the candidate can say they're not respecting my experience and what I bring. And the owner can say they're not expecting what we have to, or they're not respecting what we have to offer them and the potential that they have within our business. So let's, that's not always, but often kind of both sides of that argument. So there are seven levers. I'm sure there are more, but there are seven main levers we can kind of pull and work when we get to the offer stage. And I just kind of want to go through each of them and talk about how we can kind of mitigate these uh, um, and make sure we stay respectful uh, and understanding, I think we can we can maintain a level of respect or, or not feeling disrespected if we can understand the other person's point of view. Because it's hard. As a business owner, you have the business owner's point of view. As a candidate, you have a candidate point of view and you're fighting for your best interest, best interest and the business owner's fighting for their best interest. Where a key hire comes in and is valuable is we, we negotiate all of these. We get in the middle of it to eliminate all that stuff, right? We can have the conversations each way, take the bullets, but then go back and, and, and reframe and talk about um, how we're trying to make this work. And I'm going to try to pepper in some different examples of how we do that as we go here. So the first lever we can pull is job title. Um, you might be hiring for a manager level position, but someone comes in who's already a manager and says, you know, I was really hoping to show a little progression and get a director title. What I hear a lot from small business owners is we don't care about titles here. And, and that's awesome. Uh, truly, I'm not, not being sarcastic at all. I think it's great. But someone who's a professionally minded individual who's walk, going through the corporate ranks, it's important to them to show a progression that I went from a supervisor to a senior to a manager and now the director level, or maybe I'm a senior manager and that director title is the next element of my progression. The reality is titles are free. Um, could it mess up your org chart a little? It could. The good news is you have a small organization. So you might only need to go to one other person and say, look at, I know you're a manager. We're gonna give them a director title. 
you have eight years experience, they have 12. So at your next review, or here are some KPIs or some targets for you. And if you can get these things over the next 12, 18 months, then we can move you to a director title too. So there's an opportunity there for you to maybe incentivize uh, another leader in your company, but it's certainly not a deal breaker um, most of the time. So it's important, understand as a business owner, it's important to the candidate to show the progression, even though you don't care about titles, they do. And so this is where, again, we just have to understand a title is free. If you're going to pay the max and call them a manager, they might say, that's fine, just pay me. And we're going to get to that point next. Um, but if they're like, I'd really like that title and you don't, and you convince them that it's not important now and maybe down the road, you'll give it to them. They're walking in there often with that, hmm, man, I wish I really had a God. Now I'll tell you in 12 months when the review comes around and you don't promote them to that title, now you have someone who's going to be really unhappy unless they've completely bought into your program. Moving on. Second lever, salary, money. Experience has value. I say this all the time. And a lot of people will pick a range either randomly or they'll do a little research and say, we've done, we've, we've kind of figured out our range for this is position is 80 to a hundred thousand dollars. So if we could be mid range, we think we're doing pretty good. Now I'll go in to the market and you know, we're always looking for capacity, right? We're always trying to hire um, people with more experience than you need today. Uh, because you want to have capacity. You want that person to be able to kind of pull your business along, not chase the business and put their finger in holes, kind of putting band-aids on problems. You want people that can solve problems, put processes and procedures in place that'll solve a problem before it ever happens. Um, so when you bring these experienced people, they might be at the top end of your range. If your range is 100 or 80 to 100, well, a person might come in and they're already making $100,000. What are you going to do? Now, if you try to convince them to make a lateral move in this market, uh, I don't know anyone who's moving for a lateral. There's only one thing that'll make someone move for a lateral salary, uh, for a, make a lateral move for the same salary. And we'll get to that. But money is the, the bridge, right? We have a trust issue when we're hiring on both sides of the equation. The business owner is hiring someone they don't know and therefore have not built much trust with. The candidate is in a job that they mostly like, that they're super familiar with, where they're trusted, and they're going from the comfort of a big company to the perceived instability of a small company. There's a trust issue. At the bottom of all this, it's a trust issue. And often money is a way to bridge that gap. So if your your range is eighty to one hundred thousand dollars, and you say we'd like to be mid range, my my, I always like to work the equation back, right? So no one's leaving a job for less than ten percent, on average, a ten percent increase. So this person you want to lead your department, who has more knowledge than you and can take work off your plate, for them to make ninety thousand dollars. They have to currently be making $80,000 or 
which is the low end of your range. That person, that person making $80,000 is probably um, a few years away in terms of their experience from being able to really come in and, and have impact on your business. So bringing in an $80,000 a year person playing $90,000 so you can hit your mid-range goal, you're hiring for current, often you'll be in a situation where you're hiring for current business volumes, not future business volumes. So that's why when someone walks in and they're at 100 and they say, I'd like 110, they might be over the range. And in my experience with my clients, because we have the right hiring process in place, we have a very good understanding of the impact the person can bring. And we've maximized the probability of them coming in and having impact and influence. And when the business owners I have, and most of the time they'll say, we'll do it. We'll go to 110 for this person because we think they can have the impact. The ROI on that $10,000 is immeasurable in terms of what they're able to do to the business, how they're able to move their department, how they're able to affect the other departments. Caveat, you have to put them through the right hiring process to make sure don't just get someone who wants a, who has a ton of experience, give them a bad or, or ineffective interview process, pay them a ton of money and then say, well, we paid big money for people in the past and they just haven't worked out. They, they didn't deliver what they said they could. That's the importance of using a correct and exhaustive and efficient hiring process which is what we bring and we work with our business owners to do. So when we do get to that point where we have to say they're over budget, are they worth it? Nine times out of 10, we say, yeah, we are, they are. And they work out nine times out of 10, right? Our, our replacement rate is less than 10%. More than nine times out of 10, these, these, when you pay the extra for the person, for that experience and that capacity, because they've gone through a correct hiring process, they pay off, they pay themselves off. Um, it's it's immeasurable how, how the return on investment for that extra salary, right? And if you break $10,000 out over 12 months, it's, you know, 800 bucks a month. So that's kind of the salary negotiation. And that's, that's both sides of it, right? People aren't going to, if you say, well, look at you have a ton of opportunity with our company. Well, they go, I, I have a ton of opportunity with my company as well. Um, probably more opportunity with my company, but I'm not here uh, for opportunity. I'm here for impact. And if you're willing to take a chance on me and, and let me do what I can do, I can help you with your business. That's the candidate side. And the, the, the business owner side is it's a lot of money. Are they worth it? And I get it. It's, it's a lot of money. Hiring a big ticket leader is a scary deal. On a number of on a number of fronts, right? It's it's real money. They know, might know more than you. Uh, are you going to be able to turn them loose and let them do what they do and maximize all of that experience and capacity you hired them for? Um, so that's where we are on cash, right? Those are both sides of it, and the reality is cash is the great equalizer when it comes to a business offer for the most part. If you guys can find a way to make the money work, get over the trust issues, understand what each other want, um, 
it's usually worth the money if you're running everyone through a, the right hiring and interviewing process. Okay, second lever. So we've done title and salary. Next is bonus and incentive. People are always looking for that. Uh, they, they want, you know, their total cash, they, they, they'll want to stay whole, right? People aren't going to leave for less. And so you might offer them $10,000 more in salary with no incentive, but they might have a 20 point salary on an $80,000 salary or say, you know, they're at hundred K with 20 points. They're at $120,000 total cash. You offer them 110 with no incentive. Well, now they're out $10,000 a year. They got a great raise in their base, 10%, but um, they're not whole. They're less than whole, right? They're, they're, they've joined your company and they're making, well, they won't join your company to make less money, but that's what you're proposing to them. And <clears throat> the truth is when you start hiring these high impact leaders from larger companies and bringing them in to do their thing, that is a great opportunity to start transitioning into a formalized incentive program if that's what you want to do. <clears throat> Excuse me. I've had clients where they've had kind of um, their incentive program has really been discretionary. We have X amount of dollars and we just kind of distribute it as we see fit. But as they've grown and we work to bring in these high impact leaders who have an expectation of what an incentive or a bonus program should look like and they want it to be measurable and they want to know I'm at 80%, I'm at 90%, here's what I need to do. Here are the checks, the boxes I need to check over the next three months to maximize my bonus because that's the environment they came from. It's a great opportunity for you as a business owner to start saying, hey, maybe we need to formalize um, a business, uh, uh, an incentive program. And in a lot of cases, that the, the way we'll structure the incentive program with the new leader is, hey, we're going to guarantee you your incentive here to keep you whole for the next three or six months. And in that three or six months, we want to sit with you and work with you to develop a company-wide incentive program that we can then roll out to everyone else as well. So now they're comfortable because they have that guaranteed money. But they're also comfortable because they're going to have impact. They're going to have influence. They're going to get user knowledge of what's happened, what they've done in the past to help a company put together a very important program that will help them attract and retain high impact talent in the future. So there's lots of ways we can work this in the negotiation with the incentive. You don't you don't have to come up, stay up all night and put together uh, a complex incentive program to land that person. It's okay to say, look, we'll keep you whole here for three months, but I need to sit with you and bang out and work out a really good incentive program that we can then roll out to the rest of the leadership or the rest of the company or to future hires, whatever that is. So it's a good catalyst to get you thinking about um, formalizing an incentive program because it is a key piece of landing that high impact talent. High impact talent want to know how much they're going to make and exactly what they have to do to make it and exactly what they what's left to do to bang that out, it will motivate them to get results. Number four, benefits. Uh, over the last couple of years, benefits has become a huge deal. So uh, not having a benefit program is a challenge. Having uh, small business owners face the challenge that we just, we can't afford the big benefit programs that big companies have. Sometimes it's not an issue because they might say, well, hey, heck, my spouse, I'm on her, her program anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, but how do we level that up? Again, you can give someone, and I've seen it happen, we give them a 10,000, a 10% raise in their in their salary, 
And then when they do the calculation on benefits, they come back and say, yeah, so after I pay this benefit program and what I'm losing in my current benefit program, my um, increase really works out to be about $3,000. What do you do? How do you keep, how do you, how do you mitigate that, right? Um, cash is the obvious way. Okay, so we'll just add $7,000 to your salary to, to make sure <clears throat> you you um, maintain that raise. You get, you get the raise, the money that you're moving for. Um, do you investigate and go out and talk to some more benefit pri uh, providers to see if you can uh, get on a better plan? Do you say, look at, go out and get your own plan. Let me know how much it is and I'll pay for it. There's a lot of different things you can do here, but benefits, it's super important to people right now. And it's one of the weak points. As a small business owner, it is the biggest hurdle to get over, to get someone across the finish line and get them to join your company. Because that, especially what's what happened in the last couple of years here, everyone has faced a situation where they had to rely on benefits and it can be a real uh, cost to a new employee if they're coming from a large company. That's why large companies have such great incentives and great benefit plans. It makes it hard to leave. So <clears throat> um, really look at your benefit program and be prepared for that conversation. You know, we talk about respect. Don't be upset if that new hire looks at your offer and says, this looks great, but when I did the math, I'm not really getting a raise because all the extra money you're paying me is going to roll right back into my benefits. We have to expect that. And if we expect it, then we can say, okay, like, like, let's talk. Let's see, what do you propose? Here are some things we propose. You don't have to come up with the answer on the spot. I spend a lot of time talking to candidates and business owners about how can we mitigate this benefit thing? Because it is a problem and it's, it's it's a hurdle you're going to end up having to get over and just understand if you're bringing in a high impact big ticket leader from a larger company the chances that your benefits are are you're going to run up against the benefit hurdle is is real and it's going to happen so now you know it's going to happen we can start talking about how can we get over that hurdle number 5 Vacation and uh, paid time off. So years ago, uh, the industry standard moved from giving PTO on experience, not on tenure, right? Hey, everyone, I had a client years ago. They started everyone off their first year with one day of PTO. And I was like, whoa. And they're like, that's what we do. So I have 10 years at another company and I want to come work for you. And I've accumulated four weeks of PTO. And I have to give all of that up to come and work for you. It's almost like I'm being punished for changing jobs, right? From a candidate perspective, they're like, whoa, I've kind of come accustomed to having this time off. As a business owner, I get it. Hey, we've never seen anything you do. Four weeks is a lot. Do you just want to take vacation all the time? How dedicated are you? It, both arguments make a ton of sense when you look at them from their perspectives. Vacation, losing out on a great candidate because of vacation is to me, it, 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 it's up there with job title, uh, salary, all that stuff. Like this is easy stuff to deal with. Don't let it happen. I'll give you some, some strategies right here. 
if you were to say our vacation policy is for the first two years, you get one week for the next two years, you get two weeks after or after five years, you get three weeks. And after 10 years, you get four weeks. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I come to you and I have eight years of experience. You say, great, we're starting you at three weeks because five to 10 years is three weeks. Now, if I'm currently getting four and I'm excited about the opportunity, will I take a hit and, and lose a week? Maybe, probably. Will I go from three to one? Probably not. Um, so, and then with that, with that, that PTO program, you can, you can have carryover. You can have it to use it or lose it. You can have a maximum carryover. <clears throat> There's a, a lot of different ways to work your your uh, vacation pay. But one of the HR leaders of a very large company, when, when we talked about this whole PTO issue, they laughed and they're like, PTO is free. Just give it to them. I, we do not squabble about PTO ever. We just give them what they want because it's free. If they don't use it and there's no rollover, it costs you nothing. Don't get hung up on, on PTO. There's a lot of ways to do it. But don't disrespect a candidate by saying we're taking it away. And don't feel disrespected by a candidate when they say, hey, I'm going to need four weeks. This is I'm, I've had four weeks for I have 20 years of experience. And I've had four weeks of PTO for the last 10 years. You can't take it away from them. Well, you can, you just might not get a chance to hire them if you do it. Um, number six, 401k, not that big a deal, uh, depending on the, on the candidate. It's kind of a 50-50 deal. Some people just want to know if you have it. A match is always better. But again, if someone has a beefy 401k, like some of my clients have a, they, they give 3%, then they match 3%. So it's actually 6% total that goes in there. That's real money. So when people bring that, again, if they look at their total cash comp and say, so when I factor in benefits and loss of 401k and I'm breaking even here, I understand the business owners has given a super generous offer. They might feel like, hold on here. This isn't bettering my station in life. I'm not going to be able to better provide for my family. Yeah, the opportunity is great. The opportunity to have impact. I love the business owner, but am I going to go work for this person for less, for less money and less security in their eyes? Probably not. So we have to look at ways. How can we mitigate that? And it comes back to cash. How can we keep these people whole? You got to think about that. And the last one. So the new PTO of our day is um, scheduling. And uh, are we going to let people work hybrid? Are we going to let them work remote? Are we going to let them, are we going to make them come in the office? And I'll, and I'll keep this really simple. Um, remote, people will leave a job for less money if they can work remote. So if I'm in a five-day week in the office and I get a chance to work remote, I will go to that job for less money. Hybrid schedules are the norm, right? So that's kind of if your standard coming across, 10% increase, we offer a hybrid schedule, that's all good. If you expect people to come into your office for a role that is or could be remote, there's a premium on that and people understand it. I work from home and I make 100K a year. You want me to come into your office five days a week and leave my at-home remote role? 
I'll do it for 130 or $140,000 a year. And those are real numbers. Those are what people are looking for. So um, I know a lot of people get hung up on remote. They've been burned. Uh, they don't understand it. They don't trust it. But again, if you have the right hiring process and, the, and we vet people properly, we can maximize the probability of success here. But remote and high, high, I would say hybrid schedules are becoming more and more the norm. And hybrid schedules aren't like we get to leave early on Friday. They are more of a um, standard, right? Core days, things like that. So really start considering those remote schedules because people saying, well, my current company trusts me to work from home three days a week. You want me to come in five days a week. The owner's like, well, we don't know you. We don't trust you. We don't know if you can do this job. We need to see you. We need to see you do your work. Understandable, logical argument. Candidates like, I haven't been going in the office for four years now, five days a week. I'm an overachiever. I know this job inside now. Why do you need to see me so much? Let me do my thing. That's the respect issue, right? That's the the disconnect, and that's how things can uh, things things can turn, right? And and if I if I had to say in my experience, the elements that make a negotiation turn from we can't wait to no way we don't want to do this, it's often right now currently it's around schedule, it's around benefits, and it's around salary. <clears throat> Most of the other things we can negotiate and work around, but. Everyone is different. And so that's why we've got to talk to people and say, you know, what kind of package do you want to see? What's important? What's not important to you? How can we how can we make this work? And oftentimes cooler heads will prevail and, and, and we'll get it done. But it's it's great to have a third party like Key Hire who can who can mitigate and be in there and mediate uh, the conversation and, and not let it get a personal or, or make sure people are always feeling respected. And just that's in our experience, the thing that we have found to be the most important is just making sure people feel like, hey, you know, being able to go to a candidate and say, hey, you might think this offers a little light, a little low, lower than you were hoping. Here's what I'd love to tell you. This business owner just came $10,000 over what they wanted to spend to get you. That's how much they want you on the team. And when you're able to tell someone that, um, I've seen it. The candidates are like, oh, thank you for telling me that. That means a lot and it changes a lot because now they don't think they're being nickel and dime. They understand like, wow, they've, they're throwing everything they can at you because they respect you and value you and want you to be a part of the team. It's not a lowball, disrespectful offer. It's actually the best offer and a better offer than they wanted to give because they see how good you are. And being able to communicate that is often the key to making it work and, and having it fall apart. Enough of my rattling. Uh, that's my my rant on the seven levers and respect. Respect, respect, and and trust is the is, is what we deal with when we're when we're trying to land a candidate, especially a high impact big ticket leader. They want to feel respected. You want to feel respected. They don't trust you. You don't trust them. So how do we bridge that gap? And hopefully by working through those seven levers that we just talked about, you know, you can start understanding the psychology of both sides, right? Um, of course, you're going to look at it from the business owner side, but it's it's important you know what's going on on the candidate side too, because um, no one's out to get each other. We get that 100%, right? It's just sometimes the communication <clears throat> gets a little muddy. And uh, it can land a little wrong. And then once it goes wrong, 
you know, the vol the volleying back and forth can get a little intense and then um, people get upset and then we miss out. So if we think about these things, you know, we can, we can do things the correct way. We can be respectful and start building that trust and we can land the people we want. So that's all I got for today, Matt. Um, guys, if you like what you heard, please share this, like it, follow, download it. Uh, make sure you're listening. Uh, you know, if you're watching us live, if you're watching us on YouTube, you're watching us or listening to us on the podcast. Thank you for hanging in there with us and being a part of this. Uh, you can go to our Facebook page and like us. You can um, subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can download our podcast on any of your providers. And the ebook I talked about, there it is right there. Thanks, Matt, for putting that up. Uh, go to the Key Hire Solutions website and download our um, ebook on how to how to make great hires. And you can find all kinds of other information at Key Hire. Uh, our next show, we're going to have an amazing guest. Uh, I'll just tease it a little bit. Uh, I think of the entrepreneurial operating system. If there's any EOS users out there, and if you're not an EOS user, uh, I think you'll find it super uh, super interesting. I'll just leave it at that, but we're looking forward to uh, talking about how to, we'll be talking about how to create your annual plan and budget uh, moving forward. So until, uh, we'll see you guys in two weeks. Thanks for tuning in to the Key Hire podcast for small business. Talk to you soon.